Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and like all the shows i really love this one united soccer coaches will induct four incredible gentlemen into the hall of fame the late great dr thomas fleck roy gordon who's been on the show already Hank Steinbrecher, who we hope to have on next week's show, and Al Albert, who will kick off this week's show. Of course, Al Albert, the longtime men's coach at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. He's already received the honor award. He does so much for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. He loves the association. The association loves Al Albert. He'll kick off the show. Speaking of Al Albert's ties at the foundation, Sarah Mason from United Soccer Coaches pushes forward the great Mike Curry. He won the honor award. He has used his business acumen to truly help the association. He's very involved in the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, chairing the subcommittee for marketing and communications. He will come on to break down the upcoming Giving Tuesday, which is November 29th. And we encourage all of our members to give to the For the Good of the Game Fund that you can find by going to the unitedsoccercoaches.org website. He'll talk about that and how these funds have been used in the past and the hope for the future. And when we end, we go back to the training ground and return guest, Teresa Tree Beckman, a true North sports team specialist, a team culture consultant. She submitted an article in November called Tools for Gaining End of the Season Feedback. She'll break that down. Al Albert, Mike Curry, Tree Beckman on our show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. United Soccer Coaches has announced the election of four individuals as the newest members of its Hall of Fame. All four will be inducted as members of the class of 2023 during the 83rd annual United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 11th through 15th in Philadelphia. Dr. Thomas Fleck, Roy Gordon, Hank Steinbrecher, and today's leadoff guest, Al Albert, longtime men's coach at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, are the four who are headed in the association's Hall of Fame. Before we welcome in Mr. Albert, let me remind you that Al Albert served as the head men's coach at the College of William and Mary for 33 years, 1971 to 2003, compiling a career record of 401, 187, and 64. 
He had 29 consecutive winning seasons, including 26 straight campaigns of 10 wins or more during his tenure. In his time as head coach, Albert led the Tribe to 11 NCAA Division I tournament appearances, including two quarterfinals, in addition to being named a four-time Colonial Athletic Conference Coach of the Year and three-time United Soccer Coaches Region Coach of the Year. Beyond the collegiate game, he served as the United States men's coach at the 1981 and 1985 Maccabea Games in Israel. Albert served for a long time on the United Soccer Coaches, formerly NSCAA Board of Directors, culminating with his term as president in 2008. He received the association's prestigious honor award in 2011 and was the recipient of the Bill Jeffrey Award for long-term service to college soccer in 2003. One of the true leaders in the establishment and growth of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, he was the fourth recipient of the William Holloman Award for meritorious service to the foundation in 2022. Just as important, I think, is Al Albert is a really cool cat, a man who <laughs> I don't get to see often, but every time I do, I have time for him. And that means <laughs> right now, welcome and congratulations, Mr. Hall of Famer, Al Albert. Thank you, Dean. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Always have a good time chatting about soccer yeah and i meant what i said about you being a cool cat because you've always been very kind to me you've always opened your doors uh, even in your role as a fundraiser for william and mary for then the nsca game of the week to come to fox soccer and that was great but you know no matter how cool you are when you get the news that you're going into a hall of fame particularly a hall of fame that you have so much care for because you love the association can you put into words what it means al it's a great honor. I could go on and on about the different ways that it's meaningful. You know, the Coaches Association was started by 10 East Coast college coaches 80-some years ago. And, uh, you know, the people there in the Hall of Fame are an amazing cross-section of uh, soccer in the United States, not just college soccer. You know, I my career has been in college soccer mainly. And, um, you know, the the convention for me was the annual opportunity to go and network and learn. To me, the convention is the soccer convention. I know there are others now, but uh, it's the national soccer convention. But to get into the Hall of Fame at the convention is a really special opportunity. I already know, Al, because I'll be up near the stage when you give your speech that it'll be poignant, it'll be precise, It'll be thoughtful and probably humorous, so I don't want to steal all your thunder, but let's go ahead and go down memory lane now, Albert. Tell your story a little bit. When did you fall in love with the game? Where were you? How did it happen? Well, most people who knew me growing up would not have seen this coming. I did not have the traditional soccer background. People my age, you know, if they grew up in Kearney, New Jersey, or St. Louis, then they might have been exposed to a high level of soccer. Uh, my one soccer memory is playing in some kind of like a kickball game and a color war. And I didn't play soccer until I went to William and Mary. We were starting the team. I took soccer and physical education from a, an iconic individual named Joe Agee, who became my first soccer coach. The rest is history. I also um, was on one of the early lacrosse teams at William and Mary, and I coached both sports for the first seven years that I came back as coach. And then uh, uh, certain things happened and I moved strictly into soccer from that point on. But people who knew me before William and Mary would never, they, they would not be able to figure out why I'm being honored as Hall of Fame soccer coach. 
Wow, that is so fascinating. I did not know that. How does that happen? Is it just because you're always a quick study, you're super athletic, or what was it yeah. about you that said, hey, I can play this game A, B, you know, remember when you're done playing, you became this iconic coach. How did all that come together? So um, I'm not an exceptional athlete. <laughs> I'm not passionate about the game. I like to think that uh, I have some qualities to make up a good coach, organized and intense and obsessive uh, to detail. But I was it was the opportunity that these sports were growing at the time that I went to college. And uh, now, you know, with the growth of youth soccer in this country, um, you know, that would never happen. Someone who never played soccer until they were, you know, 17 years old would not. Uh, and, and, I, and to be fair, I started as a goalkeeper, you know, and back then you could uh, you could kick the ball back to the goalkeeper and they could pick it up. So you didn't even have to have great feet. But um, it, it was the opportunity of the 60s. There were a lot of sports that grew in college back then. And then we had some contraction with those men's sports um, in the 80s with the advent of Title IX and, you know, sports like wrestling and lacrosse that uh, really grew then took a hit, not so much soccer, but uh, other sports. And, you know, it's just a, it's a different world now. And, you know, uh, I would not have the opportunity. It's a little bit like Ted Lasso, you know, where I came from knowing nothing, but, you know, being a sports fan, having certain, you know, ideas and qualities. And that's why the association was wonderful. Um, you know, both U.S. soccer and uh, the old NSCA had education programs. For me, the education from the Coaches Association was the convention where I would sit there and listen to presentations. And, you know, that was uh, that was huge for us back then to come back from the convention and from coaching courses with ideas that we could, you know, upgrade the level of coaching with our team. I like that comparison to Ted Lasso. The only difference is you're a very tall man and you kind of have an illuminating presence. And I mean that in a non-sycophantic but sincere way. So I got to believe once you dove into the education part, thanks for that plug, Al, you're always great about that, that when you walked into a room, even at a young age, you had the attention of your team. Is that fair to say or did it take some well, time? Yeah, I think education is just part of becoming a good coach. Obviously, you have to, as Ted Lasso, you know, the lessons from Ted Lasso that handling your team and maximizing, you know, the abilities of your team goes beyond X's and O's. It's all about, you know, um, player management and uh, creating an environment where players, you know, want to win for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I guess I was pretty good at some of that. Um, I think our present coach, I'll give a shout out to Chris Norris, who played for me as my assistant, much better X and O coach. Uh, you know, he had a lot better coaches than me at times and uh, and has developed his own style. Uh, but, you know, back then it was it was different. Uh, you cited my my coaching record. There were a lot of teams back then that weren't particularly good. And so you had some games that, you know, were very tough for you. You had some uh, very close games, and then you had some games you knew you were going to win. In Division One men's college soccer right now, there are not many uh, guaranteed wins, and uh, it's tough. And you can just look at the records and see the number of ties this year when they didn't do overtimes, and, and it's tough. But I was fortunate enough to be at a state school in Virginia, a very good school, academically, William Mary, that a lot of kids want to go to at a time when soccer grew in Virginia. And, and with limited resources, we had a lot of really good players come to our school. 
uh, on the women's side, for instance, I mean, Jill Ellis, Julie Shackford, and Megan McCarthy, who was National Player of the Year, all walked on to our women's soccer team from Northern Virginia. And we had kids from the Andale Boys Club in the 70s um, uh, that were tremendous players that gave us a jump start. And then even in the 90s, we were getting very good walk-ons from Virginia. And now uh, I think, you know, college soccer has changed quite a bit. And you see a lot more internationals. Back then, you know, the Howards and the Alabama A&Ms kind of dominated with the internationals. Now they're internationals on, you know, on many, many teams. Just so I don't miss a step, as I mentioned, you were at William & Mary 33 years and you told us that you just fell into soccer when you went to college. Was your first coaching job at William & Mary, Al, or was there a step before that? No, I have been at William & Mary for um, 56 of the last 57 years. Uh, four years as an undergrad. I went back to my hometown of Baltimore and taught for one year. And then I had the opportunity to come back as a grad assistant for both soccer and lacrosse. It was really for lacrosse, but Jim Carpenter, who was my lacrosse coach, who wanted me back as a GA, said, hey, they gave me soccer, and I know you played for a few years. Do you want to help me with soccer? So really, at that point, when I came back to William Mary as a graduate student, I did not expect to be a soccer coach. Um, I expected to be a lacrosse coach. And as it so happened, the opportunities in the 70s in Virginia were much greater for soccer than for lacrosse. And so here I am. Um, it, it would probably have been much more likely at that point that I would have had my career totally in lacrosse. You know, it's fascinating that William and Mary, their nickname, their moniker is the tribe, because when I think about you, I got to believe you have three main tribes. You have your family, you have the tribe, William and Mary, and then you have the association. Is that fair to say? Yes. I mean, um, when we started the uh, foundation a few years ago, um, you know, the point was made that for a lot of our members, they have stronger feelings towards the association than they do towards the school that they coached at or played at for whatever reasons. And you see that with, you know, the people, some of the people that, you know, the, the red aprons and the, you know, sort of elders of the coaches association. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely overlapping families and <clears throat> William Mary, like I say, has been 56, the last 57 years of my life. Uh, you know, I, I met my wife here, my son played for me here live uh, a mile from campus. So, you know, that's who I am now. And, you know, um, it's, it's been wonderful. It's, uh, you know, uh, soccer has <laughs> the old uh, Saturday night soccer has been very, very good to me. And uh, the, uh, you know, I have nothing uh, but good feelings about the coaches association and my experience at William and Mary. I'm glad you mentioned SNL because then yeah, I think of comedy and I think of Jon Stewart. It might have been your honor award. I can't remember. Uh, you can correct me, but you won something in Jon Stewart. Well, it was the, you know, I've never laughed as hard as I laughed with Jon Stewart saluting you for winning. Was that the honor award, Al? That was the honor award. John also accepted the honorary All-American uh, award years back and was very uh, generous with his time, came down. I uh, neglected to emphasize at that time that he would be shaking hands with every All-American and <laughs> he spent about two hours on his feet and, and shaking hands. But he's a great guy. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to see him Wednesday when they taped The Problem with Jon Stewart for Apple TV in New York. 
And uh, he's the same as he was in college, uh, just as, you know, a lot more fame and money. And, you know, it's a lot harder to get a hold of these days. Yeah, that's pretty cool. As you know that uh, you played a role in, in, you know, I mean, just being an, an influencer in his life is pretty neat, Al Albert. As you think about him and all the other people that you played a role and now you're raising money for your school, you're raising money for the foundation. How does it make you feel to know that you made such an impact on so many people's lives? Yeah, I mean, that's so much more important than the, uh, you know, the win loss and the championships and all that stuff. I mean, that's those championships are fun. Uh, but, it, you know, this job now enables me to keep in touch with all these people and see, you know, what they've done with their lives and their families. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that that is why we do what we do. You know, it's not just to win. It's to, you know, develop people. And, you know, if you want to be uh, really you know cheesy about it, make the world a better place by developing those people. And, you know, I think. We've done a really good job of that here at William & Mary, and hopefully uh, we continue to do that. Before we segue for an introduction to our next guest, which is Mike Curry, talking about Giving Tuesday, which I know you're going to tell me is just as important to you as going in the Hall of Fame. In fact, you'll probably tell me that's more important, uh, <laughs> knowing you, Al, for sure. One of the things I did want to know is who let you know that you were in the Hall of Fame? How did you get the news? We had a uh, Zoom. I got a call uh, from Tim Shum who I guess is on that committee and Steve Veal and, uh, and they did a, a zoom, uh, which was really nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to express exactly, you know, what it means to be in all, the biggest thing will be having the opportunity to celebrate it with my friends and family in in Philly in January, that'll be fun, you know, to be up there. It's always good to get to the convention and this just makes it that much better. Well, you're on the show this Thursday, Tuesday, November 29th is Giving Tuesday. It's a key initiative for the foundation. They've also had a shift to focus of donations made to the For the Good of the Game Fund and yes. how these funds have been used in the past and hope for the future. Mike Curry is going to talk about that coming up next, but I'd love for you to tease the importance of that as well. Yeah, we, you know, when we got this foundation started, we wanted to really establish it kind of as an endowment that would never go away and you know generally with endowments you give a certain percentage hopefully it's invested and it grows and we got to the million dollars and beyond now we're really starting to emphasize uh the for the good of the game is an expendable fund so every dollar that comes in doesn't go into an endowment and have limited impact it goes dollar for dollar to groups like um, you know, the groups that are impacted by uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and fires and other natural disasters uh, and other things that we, you know, are starting to get into. In the past, we've given convention scholarships and core scholarships, and now we're starting to do other things uh, that have uh, some neat impact on, you know, on our membership and on soccer in the United States. And as I mentioned, Mike Curry will have more on that after we take a break. Before we say goodbye to Al Albert, Al, I called you a cool cat. When you tell your wife that Dean Linky called you a cool cat, is that going to fly or not? The cool cats, that's kind of like a 60s, 70s beat. <laughs> <laughs> and she would, she would uh, you know, she would take that in stride, I'm sure. <laughs>
Well, Al, what I meant to say is it's always a pleasure. And I think uh, hopefully you took it that way because it's awesome. I'm so proud of you and so proud to know you. Congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame. I can't wait to see you in January in Philadelphia for the convention. We'll be funding. Thank you. Thank you, Al Albert, and congratulations on your induction into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. As we talked about near the end of the interview, our next guest is Mike Curry, who also won the honor award. The man carries himself with such great honor. He has been involved with the foundation for a long, long time, like Al Albert, and he's coming on courtesy of Sarah Mason from the United Soccer Coaches. He'll be talking about Giving Tuesday, which is November 29, and the shift and focus of donations made to the For the Good of the Game Fund and how these funds have been used in the past and the hope for the future. That happens next with Mike Curry right here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Register now for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and experience all United Soccer Coaches has to offer in one place. Enhance your coaching resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. In addition to meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and more. Register before the December 15th price increase at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. It's not too late to get your program recognized for the 2022-23 season. Register now for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program to enhance your coaching experience with educational offerings, general liability insurance, and awards and rankings eligibility for you and your players. The College Services Program serves to support you and your coaches, recognize your students' amazing efforts on the field and in the classroom, and advocate for meaningful change that protects our coaches and players. Register today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. What an honor to kick it off with Al Albert, one of four distinguished gentlemen who will go into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame coming up in January at the convention. And of course, Al Albert, very active with the foundation. He was thrilled to hear that we have Mike Curry had nothing but great things to say about Mike Curry. Mike Curry was the recipient of the 2019 Honor Award. He is currently a member of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. He's the chair of the Marketing and Communications Subcommittee for the foundation. And he was a member of the former NSCA Board of Governors serving as its chair for five years. He was previously a member of the NSCAA Board of Directors from 2001 to 2007. Mike Curry has been recognized for his service to the association, receiving a Certificate of Appreciation, the Presidential Recognition Award, the Letter of Commendation, and the United Soccer Coaches Foundation Meritorious Service Award in 2019. Mike Curry, great to have you on as we're talking foundation, and the timing is perfect. Great to see you, Mr. Curry. Oh, 
Great to be here, Dean. Thank you for having me. Well, it's Giving Tuesday, November 29. That's right around the corner. And as it relates to what the foundation is all about and United Soccer Coaches, this is really important. Giving Tuesday. Mike, you have the floor. Tell people why it's so important to give. Thank you, Dean. And thank you for that great introduction. And what a, a, a thrill to follow Al. Uh, I, I can't say enough about him, and I'm so happy for his recognition into the uh, the Hall of Fame. But Giving Tuesday is a real great opportunity. A lot of people aren't familiar with it, but it is actually a global day of giving. And I would encourage all the listeners to go out and just put in Giving Tuesday. And you see that all over the world on that Tuesday, everyone's committed to giving. And we're talking billions of dollars are given in one day. It's a fascinating thing to think about. And so organizations like the United Soccer Coaches is leveraging that day as a chance for us to seek support from our, our, our coaches and the soccer community. And this year we're gonna focus for, on our For the Good of the Game Fund. And that particular fund is important because it gives us the flexibility to help serve the needs of our coaches for a lot of the things that they're doing in the community. And uh, in the past, we've given money through that fund to events where acts of nature have either destroyed equipment or provided something. I know with Hurricane Ian recently, we've already identified some needs there that we're going to satisfy. And this goes all the way back to like Hurricane Katrina. So, so and, and then there's other little activities in between that don't necessarily meet the needs of a convention scholarship or an education scholarship or a host of course. This gives us the flexibility to give in other areas of need. So we encourage everybody to think about giving and it's not how much you give, but that you give and know that, that every dollar that is given is gonna go to helping um, serve our soccer community. Well, let's put that red hot focus on the fact that it's Giving Tuesday, but specifically giving to the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. And as you said, for the good of the game fund. So people that are hearing this right now, they're like, oh, wow, it's Giving Tuesday. Cool. Two, how do I make sure that my money goes to the foundation? Is it something on the website? How do they find it, Mike? It's a great question. The best way is to go out to our website. And on the uh, navigational bar, you'll see Coaches Give and click on that. And that takes you right into the foundation. Uh, and in the foundation, there's several ways to donate. We actually have donate buttons throughout the, uh, the website that you can use. And then, of course, you can contact Sarah Mason, who is our development director, and she'll actually help make sure that your funds get to the Good of the Game Fund. And then on Giving Tuesday, the site will be active anyway, and people can go out and give directly on, on that particular link. The coaches will start seeing indications of that leading up to Giving Tuesday, which is, my goodness, it's what, less than two weeks away now. Incredible. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation's mission is to provide financial support for coaching education and other developmental opportunities for United Soccer Coaches members who bring soccer to underserved socioeconomic communities and advocacy groups, among other initiatives. I like the fact that that is part of their mission. And I know you back that mission, Mike. Oh, uh, 100 <laughs> percent. I, I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of this. It, it's our uh, it's our foundation's way of just helping to provide access to this wonderful game. And when you look at programs where 
a coach goes to one of our courses in one year, and then a couple of years later, you get a picture of all the kids that are being reached through this coach and how that program is developed. That's the beauty of this thing. It's one of those activities where you give to one person or one group, but what really happens is their impact it's much greater than themselves. You know, whole community is changed because of this act. And I like the idea that we are doing this as an association because it helps us reach those underserved communities. And many of those kids, this is the one chance that they get to really learn about being in groups and healthy lifestyles and all those social skills that are so important to our society. It really, a lot of times, gives a young coach hope for the future. And one of the things that we're trying to do at the association is make sure we get younger, Mike. That's really important as we move forward. Thank you, Dean. And uh, if um, some of our members want to go back, we, we actually started a series on the journal recently. We've been trying to highlight some of the recipients of our scholarships and grants. The selection that we choose from is fantastic. It's always a struggle to try to find a representative, um, a story to tell because they're all so incredible. And the three we've done so far have been exceptional. Uh, two of them with um, young coaches and, and their stories, their journeys, how they're having impact in their communities. And then um, recently we did one on the um, Kay and Bill Holloman Fund because we wanted to show the donor side of the story. Why do people give? Why do they set up these funds? Uh, so we're trying to cover it from all the different angles. Uh, in the spring, we're going to do our first article around a host of host of course recipient. And we have a couple candidates there where we can show here's the course that we were able to provide and be able to show the impact it's had over time. I'm, I'm excited about that one because uh, people who know me, I like being able to say, okay, what was the outcome of what we did? And to me, that's the most exciting uh, part. And Dean, you know, we are all of us in coaching. There's nothing more powerful than coming off of a field and you've got that image of a child's smile in your head. And you know, they had a great time. They may have even struggled with the, uh, the practice today, but they walk off like, okay, I'm going to work on that. Or, okay, I learned something today. Or quite frankly, I just had a blast. And that's what this is all about. Mike Curry representing the United Soccer Coaches Foundation as we remind everybody that Tuesday, November 29th is Giving Tuesday. We do want people to go to unitedsoccercoaches.org. As you said, Mike, there's a button up on that site that says what again? Uh, it actually has donate. <laughs> donate, crazy. there you go. Perfect. So <laughs> donate for Giving Tuesday and help make a difference. If somebody just tuned in right now and they heard nothing else as you come on, Mike Curry, what is the most important message you have for everybody listening as we think about Giving Tuesday and we think about the United Soccer Coaches Foundation moving forward? Soccer is one of those sports that everyone in the world knows. I can tell you, I've been to countries where I didn't, couldn't speak the language, but I'd walk to a field with my, my boots around my uh, shoulders, and it was just one of those universal things. And so in the spirit of that, we're asking all of our members and anyone who's listening to this podcast to think about giving what you can, not what you can't, because every dollar matters, and know that that dollar is going to have an impact for those communities that don't have the access of being able to spend eight to 10 grand to have their child 
travel all around the region playing soccer, but yet there are opportunities for those kids to play. And we're just trying to provide access for our coaches and for programs who serve in those communities. All right, before we let you go, Mike Curry, you were very kind to say nice words about Al Albert, one of four distinguished gentlemen going into the Hall of Fame. He also said really nice things about you, and he made sure to point out that it was beyond the fact that you are one of only two African-Americans to receive the honor award. Remind me the other African-American that received the honor award, Mike? It was actually uh, Coach Ted Chambers from Howard University, and he actually received the award in 1979. All right, great. So you're in Next Level Company, and he did point out, as you and I have often discussed, that hopefully we never have to say, oh, two or three African-American, it's just a matter of, you know, great service to the game, right? I couldn't agree with Al Moore. And Al's one of many recipients of the award who are great role models for all of us. And I'm hoping that, especially the younger coaches out there will see in the award that service to the game is not only on the field, but it's really off the field. And I encourage anyone who's thinking about, hey, what else can I do in this wonderful game to think about volunteering and getting involved? Uh, we could use people to help with the foundation. So there's plenty of opportunities. To that point, he said the biggest thing that you brought to the association is this corporate competency. He said, we were a bunch of soccer coaches sitting around the table <laughs> trying to figure out how to turn this into more of a business to help people. And you brought that. That's high praise, I think, Mike. Uh, thank you, Dean. And coming from Al, it definitely is. I, again, the storyline there for coaches who are thinking about how they want to get involved. I'm in a room with all my heroes and, of course, learning from them, but volunteering. I was getting involved. And it just became clear that, oh, here's a space that I'm pretty good at that maybe they could use some help. And I just would raise my hand and volunteer. And one thing led to another. And so I was able to bring maybe, uh, I guess we could call it the business side of the game to uh, the association. And I'm, I'm so pleased that they allowed me to, uh, to contribute. One final shout out, Giving Tuesday, November 29th. We'd love people to contribute to For the Good of the Game Fund that you can find by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org, clicking on the donate button. One final comment, Mike, before we say goodbye. I just want to thank everyone in advance for their generosity. And I'm really looking forward to hanging out with as many people as I can at the convention in Philly. Mike Curry, always an honor. Thank you for being with us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. Uh, thank you, Dean. Likewise to you and your family. The show is not over. When we return, we focus on the training ground and a return guest. Always great to have Teresa Tree Beckman, a true North sports team specialist, a team culture consultant who has written an article for November called Tools for Gaining End of the Season Feedback. She'll break down that article and preview her January article, which she'll come back in December to break that down as well, called The Magic of Feedback in Coaching. Tree Beckman on tools for gaining end-of-the-season feedback, training ground, when we return on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps.
United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your players' development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We're off and rolling with the new Hall of Famer, Al Albert. How about the special foundation message from Mike Curry? And now we're joined by one of our favorites from the training ground, a true creator as part of our content creation consortium. We're talking about the great Teresa Treat Beckman, a true North sports team specialist, also known as a team culture consultant. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, Tree. Hey, thanks for having me, Dean. This is always so much fun for me. Yeah, I love it because part of uh, what we want to do with the training ground is follow up on what you are submitting online. And you just wrote a recent article called Tools for Gaining End of the Season Feedback. So big picture, before we dive in, what are you trying to accomplish with this article, Tree? You know, as far as I go, like, I feel like we have to have models, like mental models to help us understand complex topics. A lot of times we try to oversimplify complex things. And you hear a lot about team culture. What I did in um, on behalf of True North Sports, I wrote a workbook. It's the third workbook in our series. It's called Managing Your Culture. And I created a, a model for team culture because I think what most people do is they get examples of other people's culture and they try to copy that. It doesn't work because it has to be authentically you. Culture is the environment you create. So if you're trying to take somebody else's fully, like as it's packaged, it doesn't work. I can't do John Wooden's Pyramid of Success because I'm not John Wooden. Very few people are as steadfast as he is to be able to accomplish all that. So what I try to do is just pull out, here are the things that, that go into creating the environment that's authentically yours. And a big part of that is the encasing that holds, and it's a plug. It's literally like an electrical plug. The encasing that holds that plug together, those prongs together and connects to the cord is the feedback loop. Here's the thing. Like there are so many things that we do in our lives, both personal and professionally, that we don't, we can't know how people experience us fully. There's a lot of things that we don't know that other people know about us. And if we can't find a way to create an environment where people feel safe to come to us with constructive feedback, and we're not teaching them to give constructive feedback, then it's really a lot harder for us to grow because we can't, they're called blind spots for a reason, right? So this whole article is, is trying to help coaches kind of obtain some tools, but more importantly, a paradigm about how they see these uncomfortable conversations. Like, listen, we're like, you know how they say doctors are bad patients. Literally our job is to give feedback to our, to our athletes, our student athletes, so that they can grow. And we are almost, we are just 
so horrible at receiving feedback, especially difficult feedback from our student athletes. And that doesn't make sense. So we got to model what we're as we're trying to get them to do. And that's what I tried to dive into just in this short little article. I'm going to get into more of it in the January journal too, but that's kind of the gist. Well, right off the bat, you say a few things to know about this feedback endeavor. And I really like point number one, because you flat out say, I have yet to study a truly high performing team that doesn't also have a successful system for processing and sharing information about their completed project, mission, or competition. Yeah. The Navy SEAL Team 6, they're really, really elite. Not because they're big, tough, you know, strong soldiers. They're elite at how they do feedback. And they call it an AAR, which is an after action report. And, and they talk about it. Uh, Daniel Coyle in his book, The Culture Code, he really breaks it down well. But I've, I've read it a couple other places, too, just about how they go about that process. But also, you know, just in a completely different industry, Pixar Animation in a book called Creativity Inc. It's one of it's a really great book written by uh, Ed Catmull, who is the co-founder of Pixar. They talk about, you know, Pixar puts out they're known for having great culture, but they also put out just super high performing movies one after another in a really hard industry. And he absolutely credits what they call the brain trust for that success. They are constantly rethinking and retooling and gaining feedback that is constructive and helps their projects grow and obtain just astronomical heights. You say while this article and tools presented are highlighting postseason feedback, it is highly recommended that you adopt a daily practice of getting feedback from your athletes. You're saying daily practice. Yes. Is that possible, Tree? It is. I think, I think, you know, there's a term I, I don't like to use like these cliches too much because, but they are cliches for a reason, but I think people can take them wrong and they think a certain way about them. But if you can create a culture of feedback, uh, you're going to be way ahead of the eight ball. If you're only getting your feedback at the end of the year, or <laughs> this happens more than you think at the end of um, a student athlete's whole career, Ooh, a couple of things come to mind. If I'm that student athlete, and this is the first time you're asking for my actual opinion, Boy, that sucks because I just missed out on your growth and benefiting from your growth. So if I can do regular touch points, some of them can be formal, but most of them are just organic. I'm just actually getting curious in our day-to-day -day lives, our day-to-day -day, you know, season about what's happening. And I'm really getting your feedback. Not only am I learning and I'm growing as a coach, but I'm actually getting, I'm creating buy-in from my student athletes. And, and so that's why all of the tools in the world won't matter if your energy around it is defensive or uh, dismissive. Like the tools are great, but you have to be able to, to, to really embrace it and show that on a daily and weekly basis. So that when you do go into your deep dive of feedback at the end of the season, you're gonna get even better information. But gosh, if you're waiting until then, they're not going to be practiced at it. They're not going to be like great at it. They're going to be vengeful maybe because maybe there's 15 resentments that have come up. So yeah, it's got to be, I think the best coaches do this regularly. Before we get to tool number one and tool number two from your feedback tool shed, I do want a quick comment on your last comment where you say not all feedback is created equal. What do you mean by that tree? You can take that a couple of different ways. The, the biggest thing that I would say is perception is reality right? And so I might be in a, you might really love my energy, Dean, and somebody else hears me and they can't stand the, the sound of my voice, right? And especially like in, 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 like in leadership, I might be a great leader for this person and, and this person is just not receiving me well. That happens all the time. We all have our own stories. We all have our own armor, right? So sometimes 
you're getting feedback because you've offended somebody. And that feedback might not even be reality, but it's their reality. And sometimes you're getting feedback just because somebody wants to hurt you. So when you're processing this feedback, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, but when you're processing this feedback, it's, it's really helpful if you look for patterns. There's, there may be an outlier and it might go in either direction. It might be a positive outlier or a negative outlier, but you've got to find patterns and, and really kind of lean into what are the things that I'm seeing that are actually showing up not only here, but maybe in my personal life too. That's a heck of a lot more healthy than just going, well, I'm just going to take every word you say as truth. It's their truth, maybe, but it's not necessarily truth because it's their perception. I'm going to let you roll with this as we welcome to the feedback tool shed. I want you to roll to number one and tool number two. All right. So tool number one is from Creativity Inc. again. And it's and it's basically we're talking about softening the process of obtaining that critical feedback, right? It's it's This is just one little way that you can do it. It's maybe to ask everyone in the room to make two lists. So you can, you, the first list is just name the top five things that they would do again from the season. And then the second one is the top five things that they wouldn't do again, because people find it so much easier to be candid if they can balance the negative with the positive, right? And, and a good facilitator can make that easier for the balance to be struck. So like, basically what I'm saying there is if you can find ways, listen, I got to interject. I just think that anonymous surveys giving from, given from an administrator to your student athletes without any direction and any, any sort of training is about the most dangerous thing that's happening in college athletics right now. I think it's happening in high school a little bit too. And I would just caution um, athletic administrators when they're doing this, there's just no way that trust is not going to be lost in that, in that way, unless the student athletes are being actually like, like completely false and overglowing in their, in their feedback. It's just prime with ruining trust between players and coaches. So I don't think that just fully anonymous surveys that are given by your boss are ever a good idea. I get why administrators are doing it, but I think it's trying to take the place of you know, the touch points that administrators used to have. Well, administrators have so much on their plate in the ways of legislation, fundraising, things like that, that they're not as able to have those touch points. So they're not able to have those check-ins with the student athletes. And so they're trying to have these anonymous surveys take up the place of their oversight, their mentorship of their coaches, because a lot of them weren't coaches either. And I think that's really dangerous. But I do think there is some value, as I'm saying in tool one here, to allowing people to give balanced feedback so they're able to be more uncomfortable in their feedback. And if you can't, I don't love anonymous, but if you can't, if you can just get them to balance negative and positive, I really think that's helpful. So that's kind of what I'm saying in that one. And then tool number two is actually from the Managing Your Culture Workbook, but it comes from a friend of mine, Amanda Bracken. She used to be a culture person in the business world, and we've been good friends for a while. She just talks about these questions. So you can have your people think about your season as a whole, or maybe a specific event or a specific initiative you took during your season. And then you ask them these questions. What was right about it? What was wrong with it? What was confusing about it? And then what's missing. And then when you're processing these results, it, I love this because it gives you an if then. So when you get consistent or similar answers to that, what was right about it, do more of that, right? When you get uh, similar consistent answers from that second one, what was wrong with it? Stop doing those things, right? When you're, we're always looking for patterns. When it comes to feedback, I cannot say patterns enough. 
And then for that third question, what was confusing about it? Now, listen, for that question, you might not actually get an answer, but the answers that you get, if they're all over the board, you got your answer. So there's some confusion and really big part of delivering culture is about, it, it, it comes down to clarity because if you're not clear on your vision and the mission, which I think are interchangeable, if you're not clear about that mission, um, it's really hard to connect your people to that mission. And so if you're getting a lot of different answers and they're way off the board, there's not a lot of patterns, then it's confusing. You already got your answer. And then for that final one, what was missing? So if that, if that final um, question gets asked and you're starting to see some patterns there, it's going to reveal what was missing. And then you can add that thing. I love that tool because it's really guiding people down this path. You're going to find some things that you need to grow in, but it, it's, it makes the, the feedback giver more comfortable in being truly candid with you. As Tree has already told us, additional feedback tools can be found in the workbook, Managing Your Culture, or you can take the self-paced online companion course through True North Sports for a deeper dive into all things team culture. As we say goodbye, you end by saying, these things are all pretty simple, yet hard to do well, but the rewards of high performance are well worth the struggle. Absolutely. That is the absolute difference. Listen, even as a coach, the difference between good coaches and great coaches and great and elite is the time and the toning and the nature of the feedback that you give to your student athletes, right? It's got to be a loop. If that's only going in one direction, which is usually the case in athletics, boy, you're missing out on a whole bunch of fast growth for your culture. We know you're going to expound on this topic in your next article for January. We'll have you back in December before the holidays tree, always a pleasure. You're welcome back anytime as part of the training ground. Thanks for rocking it on the training ground. And thanks for rocking it on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you, Dean. Love it every time. You can just feel her energy pounding through the podcast. We appreciate that. We also want to thank Al Albert and Mike Curry. Don't forget about Giving Tuesday. Next Tuesday, give what you can. It makes a huge difference for Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, my producer, Colin Thrash, and all the good people at United Soccer Coaches, including each and every one of you. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.